Well, hello and welcome to episode number 333 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and in this week's show there's talk of mass layoffs at Gatwick as passenger numbers plummet, lawsuits and unexpected quarantines make for a difficult week at EasyJet and someone is trying to make carbon-free aviation fuel using ammonia. In the military, plane spotters at Fairford are warned by the police and there's sad news coming out of Duxford involving the Flying Legends air display. Matt talks to Captain Al about tyre punctures in this week's Plane Truth and James Dean shares with us uh, his aviation in their life story. So joining me this week over in the PTUK studios with the most amazing broadband internet speed <laughs> on the planet it's Matt Smith I wouldn't say on the planet I know several businesses that have got far better uh, far better broadbands than what we've got here yes but we've had a little bit of an upgrade here in the studio today it's fair to say it's not been the smoothest of transitions as it was supposed to have been done first thing this morning and then around about lunchtime not only did I lose the broadband here but also the EE went down all at the same time and it, so it, you know I, I, <laughs> I was literally thinking at five o'clock today whether we were going to get on air that's how scared I was that we weren't going to get it online, but it's all come through. The engineer came back and it's all sorted. So, so here we are live I'm, and online. I'm guessing then, Matt, that anyone who's watching on YouTube can hit the quality button and switch to 1080p. Yeah, absolutely. They can see our ugly muds in actual HD this week, which is uh, so it's a bit of a first, a bit of an experiment. Who knows? Uh, we might have to restart several times off the back. It. We'll see how we go. But the broadcast tower is performing well. So, uh, but at least now <laughs> you're on a decent connection because we know we, we that is why we had the 4G and yes. kind of dongle in place because the your broadband speeds to your home yes, were. I don't know why. It's weird, isn't it? Because I can actually see the exchange from my house, mm. which is ridiculous. Carlos can't see the exchange from his house, and his broadband has been fabulous for a long time. But because uh, he hasn't got any spare rooms, and Gemma said no to us converting one of the spare <laughs> bedrooms, uh, we ended up having to do it in my house instead of the new studio. Mm. But there we are. It's all part of the fun, isn't it? So <laughs> anyway, uh, this is very boring to everyone. Shall we this, move on? Uh, <laughs> this week, you may notice that uh, we are missing Armando. Unfortunately, Armando is working, so he can't be with us this evening. But he sent us in some military stories, so don't panic. And also, uh, Nev can't be with us uh, this week. He's been uh, too too busy flying around uh, Europe in his G6000 uh, I think, I think private he just lit- jet. Literally just got back from Edinburgh, I think. So he's, he's literally just walked in the door at yeah, home, I think. He's, yeah. um, they, uh, they had to obviously get the red carpets and stuff ready for his arrival, and that's obviously taken a lot of time up. So uh, mm. Nev won't be with us for that, unfortunately. But we have got a incredible Super subs guest again. You see, super subs. That's super what we subs. Need. Yeah, super absolutely. subs. And uh, he's everyone's favourite main man. It is, of course, our main man, Micah. Adding second string for the Plain Talking UK podcast, <laughs> it's main man Micah coming to you from Portland, Maine. That's the best radio voice I think I've heard in a long time. I'll, I'll, where do I sign? Yeah. <laughs> How are you, Micah? How are things in, uh, in Maine? I'm doing just great. We have had some gorgeous, gorgeous weather that's going to come to an end tomorrow, but just beautiful, warm, dry days, 
gorgeous son. Just been absolutely spectacular. And uh, and as many of our listeners know, last week I had a wonderful airplane experience too. So I thought mm. I'd celebrate by wearing my 2020 Oshkosh t-shirt. How was Oshkosh? Did you, did you enjoy it this year? <laughs> too, you yeah. know, this was the best <laughs> Oshkosh I have ever attended. It, it just right. was absolutely fabulous. How were the crowds? You know? Just out of interest. <laughs> you know, not as big as I thought, really. But, you know, I've been told that there would be a lot of airplanes and, 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 and a lot of people that I knew and you know it's like I felt like I was the only one there oh that's that's I, I don't know both sweet and sad all at once isn't it really? but I have but... you guys and that's really all I need oh, oh dear oh. I'm so sorry to hear that that really is sad news I'm, that's like, everyone's going to be crying into their beer now honestly well thank, <laughs> thank, thank you for joining us tonight Micah it's very kind of you I know uh, you've uh, you've obviously got a, a busy schedule I, I think uh, most days uh, Micah haven't you over there well, we've been trying to connect for days and days and days, and we just can't. But then there is that, you know, five-hour time difference that sort of gets in the way. <gasps> mm, yes, we'll gloss over that and move on, shall we? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, so uh, we just it's point, point of note, actually, for everyone who's watching in the world of YouTube, because that background, that lovely background mm. that uh, Matt's got behind him, was supplied this week uh, by Neil Lanwarn, and that is, of course, the Super Guppy there which uh, is over at Bruntingthorpe and uh, actually it's point of note that uh, with the Bruntingthorpe open days finally over uh, as some of you may have heard having succumbed to the car storage business oh it looks hideous from above I tell you uh, groups uh, leaving left right and center and the beloved guppy with a very uncertain future um, he said that Neil sent this in and thought we might like this moody shot that he took in 2014 uh, one of his uh, favourites from the party nights that they had, the open days. And uh, this particular shot, which is behind Matt, was taken shortly before an immense storm. Um, actually, yeah, looking at that, it does look like a quite a big storm coming. Um, but he, uh, Neil would like to say, actually, a big thanks to everyone who has supported uh, everything over at Bruntingthorpe over the years with the, the um, Cold War jet show and everything. So it's very sad, um, isn't it, really? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm just so very glad that me and uh, Nev got the chance. Oh, yeah, you and Nev went, to, didn't you? You had the full guided to, tour yeah. with Neil and everything, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. So uh, thanks for sending that in, Neil. That that was uh, sent to us uh, by Neil Landward. He sent that to us on Facebook. And uh, if you wish to, yeah, do and you the know, same. and I want to, uh, I want to point out that that my background is brought to you by my obsessive compulsive pack rack nature of <laughs> never being able to clean out my office. So just in case anybody knows, that's uh, that's a photo that I take uh, every day. So so just in case before anybody comments. <laughs> See what you did there. Uh, <laughs> so big thanks to everyone who's joined us for the live show this evening. We've got some new new names, new faces in the chat room this evening. All the usual family members. We've got Auntie Liz in there, Richard Adams, Nick Codling, Ernest Gonzalez. Hello to you, Ernest. Uh, Ernesto, thank you for joining us. Uh, Mash is in there as well. Uh, we've got Lane Street. Uh, Nick Codling, just scrolling down, make sure I don't miss him. Brian Coleman, hello to you, Brian. Heard of him. Yeah. Heard, of him. Heard, of him. heard of him. Alan White, hello to you, Alan. The Captain Cruise, oh. hello to you, the Captain Cruise. Oliver, or Ollie, you're in there as well. Hello to you, Ollie. Nice of you to join yeah, us. We're not going to have a go at his surname, are we? I think no, we no. offended him earlier in the pre show. <laughs> the lovely, the lovely European pilot, Myla, is oh, also in there. Oh Bless God. her. Nice to see you, Myla. Uh, just scrolling down. Stephen Mark Davey. joined us as well. 
Mark Davey, hello to you, Mark Davey. Yes, Stephen Howland, hello to you. And also for those of you who are watching through uh, YouTube, and although those who watch or listen to the show through audio means, don't forget to follow us on YouTube and also subscribe and hit the bell icon and you'll get notifications just like I did when we went live to tell you that we're live and uh, broadcasting the shows. And then you can join us in the chat room with everyone else each week, which yes, is You, you panicked cool. a bit there, didn't you? Because it did the alert, because it gives you like a half hour warning. Yeah. Don't forget, it starts at seven. You're a little bit of a panic. I, I, I got a notification. go button a bit early, I didn't you? I was <laughs> like, Matt, I've got a notification. We're live. It's, yeah. it's half past six. No, 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 no. no Remain no, calm. Oh, Pip's no. just joined us as well. Look. Hello, Pip. Yeah, long time no see. We ought to get him on the show, I think, again. We haven't had him on for far too long, have we? We need to put that right. A brief ahoy from uh, Pip this week. A, and actually, brief point ahoy. <laughs> brief ahoy, he says. Isn't uh, that uh, a shipping while, term? <laughs> is, while we are live, uh, and while we're live, while we have Masha in the chat room as well, I'm going to say a big thanks to Masha for sending me this amazing um, little piece of Maltese uh, history, I, I oh, should wow. say. There we go. If you can see that on... Isn't the, that nice? And that is a... Air transport for Malta through the years. So we've got uh, all the various. And that's actually, they're actually stamps, actual, actual stamps. Yeah, you're not going to use them though, are you? Which I'm not going to use. No, (laughs) No. I'm not going to use. For no other reason, they probably won't work here. But But no, that was very nice, very nice to uh, to come home and and see that uh, on the the doorstep from our Royal Mail have been delivered. So uh, thanks, thanks for that, Masha. Very much appreciated. Pips Pips shorts say hi, apparently. (laughs) <laughs> a brief away from it. Lane, I, I do worry about Lane sometimes. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, there we are. Should we do something vaguely aviation related now? Yeah, we? I think yeah. we have. So we are. We, hang on, before we move on, have we, have we done oh. all the things that are in our notes? Because if we get them wrong, we'll be getting complaints from our producer. I think we've done everything. Yeah, <laughs> tick, we've, tick, tick. Think we've tick all the boxes. boxes. <laughs> tick all the boxes. Don't say that because our producer, John, will probably put tick boxes next to the uh, yeah, he will the show. no he will he absolutely <laughs> so we are going to start the show and as we do each week with our rundown he's going to do it of the <laughs> weekly news from around the You've world given him an idea, you UK. Realize, you? no <laughs> so if everyone's ready i'm ready how about you micah all set to go splendid let's press the button So kicking off this week's first news story, and, you know, we do try each week to try and pick some happy stories, but it is incredibly hard, as you can probably imagine right now. But this one, uh, very sad indeed. This is on the ITV.com website. And uh, Gatwick Airport here in the UK to axe 600 jobs as passenger numbers down by 80%. So Gatwick has announced this week it's cutting 600 jobs, roughly a quarter of all its staff. It comes after the airport announced passenger numbers but down by 80% this month compared to August 2019. The airport said the proposed organisation redesign will reshape the company so it's best placed to respond quickly to future growth. The proposal could result in 24% of the current number of employees losing their jobs job. Uh, The company took rapid action to protect the airport back in March to preserve as many jobs as it could by reducing costs, managing cash outflows and securing a £300 million bank loan, Gatwick said. Gatwick is currently operating from just its north terminal in response to the drop in demand. 
And compared to this time last year, the airport was operating at around 20% of its capacity and still has more than 75% of its staff on the furlough scheme, which is due to end in October this year. Gatwick Airport CEO Stuart Wingate said that if uh, anyone is in any doubt about the devastating impact of COVID-19 has to have on aviation uh, travel industry, then today's news or this week's news they shared uh, with our staff regarding proposed job losses is a stark reminder. He said that we are ongoing talks with the government to see what sector-specific support we can be put in place for the industry at this time alongside mechanisms which will give our passengers greater certainty on where and when they can safely travel abroad. This support will not only help Gatwick but the wider regional economy which relies on the airport. He said that I want to take this opportunity, he said, to thank all the staff and to those who've worked tirelessly to keep Gatwick open through the pandemic and to those who have had to. So, you know, it's, it's, it's really bad. Obviously, both Gatwick and Heathrow are massive employers within within mm. the London area, yeah. as we all know. Do, I, I, I mean, perhaps it's. I mean, obviously, perhaps we're a little bit more aware of what's been going on at Heathrow because, obviously, Nev's flown out of there even in these times. Uh, uh, recently. You kind of forget obviously. Gatwick. Yeah, and I do wonder. I, I do wonder if maybe the impact at Gatwick has been worse um, because of you know maybe because of its location and things like that. And um, well, I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about Gatwick because I have never flown into Gatwick, although it's an option that I would have here from the U.S. But from what I understand, it's more of a tourist airport, is it not? Not so yeah. much business travel. Mm, and yeah. it's the business travel that's picking up. And uh, at least here in the USA, some of the predictions I've seen is not to really expect the airlines to be coming back as far as tourists go until maybe 2024. Yeah, so, I, uh, I mean, is that... Do you think that's what's causing it because of some of the business travel? After all, Nev, our, our businessman at large, is, is traveling mm. quite a bit, yeah. but he's going to Heathrow. Is that where it's coming from? Yeah, a lot of the, lot of the airlines that operate from Gatwick, Mike, are the big um, tourist people, package yeah. tour yeah, package, operator yeah, like airlines. people like that, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And it's, um, it's effective. You know, and Virgin at one time were based quite quite heavily out there as well. Although I mean, Virgin is is a, a sort of most major airports, isn't it? It's mm. I, well, I mean, one of the you know some of the early holidays that I had growing up, and it was Gatwick that we were flying out to with. Um, um, I'm trying, Air 2000, I think, was the first day. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know, that's going back a bit, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we flew out to Greece, I think, um, were one, of my first, one of the first ever plane, plane trips I ever remember Can taking. Can I just point something out, Matt? Yeah, go on. Do you know what um, Air 2000 used to predominantly fly? Oh, the type of aircraft. They're going to be 757s, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. I didn't mind them as a kid. It's just the one on the States that tried to kill me. That's, that's the only reason it put me off. That's the only thing. But, I mean, I mean back, back to the story that we're talking about here. I mean, obviously, uh, I mean, is that the case? I, I suppose that the U.S. model, Micah, is perhaps difficult to compare to our own because, obviously, in, in, in the States, there's a lot more what I call domestic flying, isn't there, where you're flying into state perhaps where in some cases perhaps that's not been impacted quite so badly as like you know the, the tourist traffic yeah um i mean here in the usa yeah, it's three thousand miles from coast to coast and if you look at uh, just uh, new england which is only uh you know what five states six states i can't I, i'd have to count them up right mm. now let me see rhode island massachusetts connecticut uh mass uh, rhode island massachusetts connecticut vermont new hampshire and maine those five states together are about the size of Western Europe, 
Yeah. So, and those are just five states, and they're not necessarily the largest states. Yeah. So, yeah, most of the travel in the U.S. or a good majority of the travel in the U.S. is domestic. Whereas, you know, if uh, if we go on holiday, we're going within the country. We're going from uh, from here in Maine, maybe down to Florida over the mm. winter, where you guys would be going to Spain, flying yeah. over two or three different countries. Indeed. So, I mean, I mean, has it has it remained sort of fairly stable in in, in the states? Certainly, domestic. Oh, no, no, no. The the numbers are way, way down. I mean, that's why uh, Delta can keep its middle seat. Delta, JetBlue and a few others can keep their middle seats empty and guarantee that they're going to be empty. Um, But and and I don't know if we have it on today's show notes. I haven't gone through them completely yet. I don't think we have. But American just announced uh, tremendous layoffs. Two thousand people, I believe, maybe more. I can't remember exactly. So, no, the numbers are way down. And and I I don't know when they're going to come back. You have to remember that the, the. tourist business is like cruise it's 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 bare cash and yeah. it's when you have free time and you're not afraid to travel so yeah. and, and and everybody understandably at the moment it, you know it, it is it's funny times at the moment however you dress it up you know i'd be curious to ask our chat room is uh, as tourists or vacationers uh, would, would they be willing to travel now yeah that's an interesting mm, one know. yeah absolutely uh, oh, oh sorry <laughs> sorry i've just seen a comment brian Coleman's just put in the chat apparently it was the it was united that tried to kill me not the 757 which is, which is probably a fair statement to be honest with you and uh, hello to jenny in rome by the way yes, just, just, just come to the chat room. yeah hello to absolutely you. yes but as i say we're we're trying something new with our chat room where we're using something called ultra low latency so do please get uh, any comments that you want to make about our various stories this week uh straight in because hopefully we'll see them a bit sooner than we have done in 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 the past it's hot in is it it's hot in rome is it oh wow okay all right for some as i say it's uh, my heating actually kicked in this morning (laughs) that's not a good sign is it because i'm a bit we're a bit weird here because i leave i i I leave the thermostat on like 20 i think we only have it set to like 19 or something silly so basically if the house drops below 19 the heating kicked in and yeah we we got 17 this week yeah absolutely Mm. yeah so it's it's uh it's not like that not fly so brian's actually suggested here let's we'll go back to the subject at hand uh brian's just saying actually not flying until a vaccine has been widely distributed which um, I, I can see that. See that. I suppose that, you know the, the question as to whether a vaccine is possible. I guess is is a question for people far more qualified than than us. I guess. But I mean, because I mean, you were Carlos. You were a, you and Nev were literally going to go to Malta. I mean, I mean, how are you feeling? I mean, maybe not so much you because you, you're weird and love flying. <laughs> um, but I mean, I mean, genuinely, how how was Gemma feeling about the trip? Um, the trip. I mean, had you had that conversation about you know flying? I mean, bearing in bearing in mind, she works for the health service here in yeah. the UK, so it's a very big thing. But not worried at all. You know, she's the same mindset as me. You know, you wear a mask yeah. and you do everything that you've been told to do by the government: washing hands, blah blah blah. Yeah. Just get on with it, yeah. Um, and get get on a plane and get on with it. You know, it's a three-hour flight. It's not like you're sitting on an aircraft for no. nine or ten hours. It's a three-hour flight. Um, Mind you, I must say, it's a slightly slightly different subject. But I actually spent, as I say, many of you know that I've been doing a different job during um, um, lockdown, and I actually spent two days in the Naked Wines office this week. Ooh. Um, and I have to say, it took me probably about about two hours for my heart rate to drop because it's literally the first time that I've actually been with other people that doesn't involve a camera 
like since March. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it's it's one of those weird things, isn't it? You know, I mean, I've yeah. seen people, and I'm obviously well, I've come and had a socially distanced coffee with you in the past, and and all that kind of thing. Like, you know, my best mate's been out in the garden, Geordie, he's been in the garden, and, and we've had a beer together. But it's been again keeping that distance. It's just I don't know. Well, if I'm your just... heart rate was that bad, man, obviously you need to be sampling the product more. <laughs> Trust me, I did on the uh, Wednesday night. There's no need there's, on the Tuesday night. Sorry, it's uh, sorry. Lane's got a little bit uh, distracted because uh, he's just said, "Did Matt actually say that he spent two days naked?" No, no, no. I spent two days <laughs> naked. <laughs> Honestly, our listeners. Are oh, you terrible. mean you don't have to be naked to drink it? No, oh, no, okay. no. Now not. I understand. No, oh, no. okay. No, absolutely. No, fully clothed is expected. Sadly, it's <laughs> it's one of those. It's it's uh, yeah. It's, but but I must admit, what it sort of kind of reminded me how much I miss talking to people like uh i mean these zoom calls and things have been great brilliant don't get me wrong but of course it isn't the same as interacting one-on-one with people is it that no and that's the oh, one no. thing that we i think we're all missing and it's just i i hope that your prediction micah is wrong uh, i really do i really hope that perhaps that you know people will be going back on holiday and things but i, I fear you're probably right because they're you know we're, we're struggling to find light at the end of the tunnel at the moment aren't we i think really i mean you know certain restrictions have started to be lifted and that but uh we're not uh we're not there really so captain cruz is actually saying in the chat room here he's saying that commuting to work with a bus and subway two to three times a week uh shouldn't uh be any different than being on an airplane but no reason to go anywhere other than pleasure so that's that's all on hold which again makes sense doesn't it mm-hmm. um it's uh <laughs> it's uh, everybody's getting in i love bit, the chat room uh, i know absolutely there's several comments there that i can't read out loud yeah. uh so uh but moving what, on what we'll do yeah shall i shall i move on and move do on. the next story shall move I? on yeah, to okay. the next story and, and okay. I, I like like this story this is this is one of those stories talking about a, um, a text message that I don't think no one ever wants to receive. No, absolutely not. Uh, and uh, I'm hoping, because certainly just by reading the headline, there was some certainly some rather concerning sort of elements to this story, but hopefully it'll become clear. So this is on the eveningstandard.co.uk. Got a little video that I'm going to play when I've finished as well that was taken by one of the passengers that were on board. Ryanair passenger removed from Stansted flight after receiving text saying he'd just received that he got coronavirus. So many questions there suddenly popped into my head. Uh, dramatic footage has captured the moment officials wearing full hazmat suits boarded a Ryanair flight at Stansted Airport after a passenger tested positive for coronavirus. A short clip shared on social media revealed the incident, which happened to be on a Pisa-bound flight shortly before takeoff on Wednesday, according to a Ryanair spokesman. The uh, passenger Han and his travel companion, who had not been named, were escorted off the plane by the airport's fire service team after the passenger received a positive test result via text alert before departure. The couple were transferred to the airport's isolation area and met by public health authorities while holidaymakers were told to remain seated on the plane. In the clip posted to Twitter by a fellow passenger, a group of three officials wearing full personal protective equipment can be seen sweeping a pair of seats um, while a flight attendant continues to carry on routine checks. The overhead cabin bins were also disinfected before the flight was allowed to head to Italy an hour and 20 minutes behind schedule, Ryanair confirmed. Another passenger posted a picture of themselves wearing a face mask on social media, captioned the face when you're about to take off and someone gets a text from Track and Trace. So a Ryanair spokesperson told the, the Evening Standard that a passenger who boarded 
a flight from London Stansted to Pisa on Wednesday the 26th of August, received a text message notification before departure that he had tested positive for COVID-19. The passenger and his companion were immediately offloaded and taken to a Stansted Airport isolation area where they were assisted by local public health authorities. Since this passenger and his companion had complied fully with Ryanair's health regulations, they were both wearing masks at all times at Stansted Airport and for the very short period, less than 10 minutes. Uh, they were seated on the aircraft prior to departure. Uh, there was little, if any, risk of the, that word uh, transmission to other passengers or crew members, as all of whom were also wearing face masks at the time. The aircraft departed for Pisa following a delay of an hour and 20 minutes to allow for the empty seats and overhead bins to be disinfected to comply with all UK health authority guidance. Ryanair apologises for any convenience caused by the short delay. A Stansted airport spokesperson said that the airport were made aware of the passenger by the airline and our fire service attended the aircraft and escorted the passenger and travel partner to an isolation area where they were put in contact with Public Health England who then oversaw the passenger's onward journey. Uh, the NHS England website states that any person experiencing symptoms should remain at home. Advice from the Department of Health and Social Care says if you are getting a coronavirus test because you have symptoms you and anyone you live with must self-isolate until you get the result. Uh, This also applies to anyone in your support bubble. The Department for Health and Social Care advises anyone with symptoms across the UK to get a test as soon as possible. Uh, There's more to this story but I I, I won't go on. I mean the, the biggest thing here is clearly They'd obviously had a test taken. Now, I think the turnaround here, I think, is two to three days. Is it something like that before you get your result here in the UK? I mean, they shouldn't have been trying to get on an aeroplane, in my personal opinion. No, 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 no. You know, I mean, this this is, is, I don't know. I mean how there's many questions here. It's like, how did they find out about the text message? Um, Because I presume the passengers weren't shouting, the passengers involved weren't shouting about it. Um, but um, unless it came, how to... would you feel if you were on a row behind them? And... Nervous is the short answer. I'd sort of mm. think, oh blimey, have, have I had it? And I mean, I don't, know, I don't know if you've had the misfortune of having a test done, Carlos, but I can assure you, it's not, no. a, it's not a pleasant experience. I'll give um, it one miss. Yeah, I would if I were you. Uh, and what's the turnaround for time for the test in the in the states at the moment, Micah? You know, it really varies. There are, sometimes I've heard it's as long as 10 days and two weeks. And sometimes I've heard that it's two days and three days. And then a test just came out yesterday that they were announcing that is uh, only a, a, a pretty instant and, and, mm. uh, and doesn't require them poking the front of your brain with a... With a... Right. Okay. That's the one I had. That was, yeah. not, that was not an interesting experience. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean... <sighs> Surely the surely the issue here is the very fact that you know if if they felt if they felt that they needed to have a test they shouldn't have been getting on that aeroplane should they? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, of course, here in the USA we have an executive office that wants less testing. Um, so uh, I won't get any more political no. than that. But that's <laughs> okay. been made known very quickly. That, yeah. I mean, that that's that's public knowledge. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a funny one, really, isn't it? Uh, anyway, we could go on, but we probably should. Well, I'll, I'll just before on. we move on, Matt, yeah, just on. Yeah. one of the one of the biggest things about this whole story um, on the Evening Standard or oh, the Standard no. 
is um, halfway down the story, they've got a, a lovely picture. After they've used a correct picture at the top of the story, halfway down, they've got a picture of a Titan Airways Airbus A321. <laughs> oh, stop it. Oh, Actually, there is a little shot. Let me just play that little video what I was talking about there. Yeah, I'd be worrying now. Yeah, that, that, that would... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I think we all know um, the mistake there, don't we? Really, I mean, that's uh, a very silly thing for somebody to think that that's okay to do, isn't it? Anyway, uh, Micah, I think the next story is with you. Yes, it is, and it's from Simple Flying, one of our our favorite little websites, Very and it's an so. EasyJet story. Wait, and <laughs> EasyJet has been sued after passengers moved on a flight to London. And, oh, this is a very annoying story, I have yeah. to say. Low-cost airline EasyJet has found itself in hot water. A British-Israeli passenger filed a lawsuit against the airline after she had, move, had to move seats at the request of an ultra-Orthodox man and his son. The Jewish duo refused to sit beside the woman because of her gender. Melanie Wolfson has sued the London-based airline on the grounds of discrimination. She sought the expertise of the Israeli Religious Center, Action Center, Iraq, uh, to handle the case. According to Haritz Michael Arbel from Iraq, who's representing the 38-year-old Wolfson, the 38-year-old Wolfson is pushing for $19,537, that's 66,438 shekels, or I'm guessing around 16,000 pounds, more or less, mm. in compensation from EasyJet. Mm. Uh, apparently, Wolfson had to take a flight from Tel Aviv to London on October 10th in 2019. The trip started at Ben Gurion Airport, and that's where everything took place. Uh, Haritz reported that Wolfson paid an extra fee to opt into the aisle seat, as you pay fees for everything on EasyJet. <laughs> the ultra-Orthodox man and his son were already seated at the window in the middle seat. And the middle seat. When Wolfson settled in, the man's son removed himself from his seat and started looking for a man who would change places with her. Once his son returned, the father, without making eye contact with Wolfson, asked her to switch seats with another man seated a few rows in front. At this point, Wolfson refused to move. A flight attendant had purportedly offered the woman a free beverage if she complied with the man's request. Eventually, Wilson adhered so as not to delay the flight on her account, but she told Haritz it was the first time she was discriminated against based on her gender. Well, she should come to the U.S. where there's a lot more discrimination. Anyway, that yeah. wasn't in the article. <laughs> she encountered a similar incident two months later, uh, which was also after her first official complaint to the airline. In the second incident, she was traveling to London once more. This time, two ultra-Orthodox men requested for Wilson to move. Wilson stood her ground, which resulted in two women switching seats with the men instead. And uh, it goes on to say that ultra-Orthodox Jews practice Haradi Judaism, uh, it may be also known as Hasidism, uh, which is a more conservative compared to modern Orthodox Judaism, and uh, they're requesting a policy change. It's, uh, you know, it's one of those things, if you're going to uh, travel in a public environment, you have to deal with the public and mm. assimilate with that. And I understand that people have uh, different beliefs and, and different um, religious systems, but what would have happened if it was a uh, Hispanic or a black or uh, an Asian person? They'd want to sit next to them based on race. It, it makes, I, I just don't understand exactly. The whole, th I mean, the, the, I mean, it, it's a, a, a very hot topic in general, isn't it? Things like this at the moment. So perhaps we will stay a little bit away from, from 
the finer details, I suppose, for the moment. But I mean, I, I, I've said it before, you know, loads of times. I just find it very sad that there's any kind in this day and age that there's any kind of, um, I don't know. I suppose racism is perhaps not the the word I'm looking for, but you know, you know, um, mm. discrimination based on you know color, gender. Um, your religious beliefs, whatever. I mean, it's just like in, in this day and age, I, I just, I find the whole thing really exhausting, exhausting. Yeah. Um, it's just not, it's not on, is it? I mean, not in this day and age, people should be uh, chat room. To, you know, Masha. for themselves. Oh yes. Okay. All right. Sorry. I was yeah. at the wrong screen. Yeah, you, chat, you yeah. Sorry. You, we're so used to John saying in our ear. Chat room. Masha says in the chat room, uh, why didn't the couple book the whole row? Which is a very good point, actually. I suppose you could have done that, couldn't you, really? If that, if that mm. is your, if, if you feel that strongly about it, there, there are ways of, of you doing it. And it's, okay. I, I don't know. Uh, Captain Cruz, uh, Michael might know about this, but Captain Cruz in the chat room says, no correlation to the story of the woman who intended to board a spirit flight in the US some time ago. I don't remember that one offhand. No, mm. I don't. Maybe Captain no. Cruz can give us a little more information on that. Indeed. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, as I say, it's, it, it, this is the thing. In, in this day and age, it's just like, I, I, don't, I literally, as I say, it could be a monkey flying the aeroplane for all I care as long as they're qualified. It's like, it's not, and that's not... Well, and oftentimes, you know, with some of the captains, we know it is a monkey absolutely. flying Absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> it's something about paying them peanuts, but perhaps we should walk away from that, that well, dangerous Well, let's be honest, there's, there's plenty of peanuts about these days with uh, what would the, uh, you know, there's a few stories I've heard about companies selling air, airline peanuts. Okay, I'm, and, I, I don't then know they can't be peanuts anymore anyway because people are allergic to peanuts. Oh, so you have to go to point. almonds and cashews. Oh, you know. oh cashew gazente. See what <laughs> indeed. See what he did there. And uh, moving on to the next story. Indeed, yes, quick. <laughs> Before I go quick, nuts, abort. Oh, this is I know. I had to already. drop that one in. This is on the seven thirty-three. Everyone, it's gone downhill already. <laughs> <laughs> John, are you there? John? No. Uh, the, this is a one mile at a time website. And uh, the headline, Delta pilots angry, their jobs are being outsourced. Yeah, not surprised. Uh, so while Delta in general is the best labor relations of the big three US carriers, the company's pilots have had a serious disagreement with the management over scope for several years now. The union representing the pilots is once again bringing this to the forefront, especially as Delta pilots are about to face layoffs. So Delta Airlines uh, chapter of the Airline Pilots Association, or ALPA, is bringing up major scope issues once again, claiming that Delta is outsourcing pilot jobs in an unacceptable way. So Delta Airlines has spent the last uh, past many years building up a global network of airline partners through a combination of joint ventures and equity investments. In a note to members, uh, Alpa is expressing concerns about how the pandemic has reduced flying to negligible levels and that flying is added back. Delta's joint ventures partners are recovering flying faster and disproportionately, uh, disproportionately compared to Delta. The union provides the following examples, it says here, of how flying is being added back uh, with joint venture partners. 
and uh, there's lots of figures here uh, across the Pacific. Korean Air operates 39 flights a week, while Delta operates 15 per week. Mm. Uh, across the Atlantic, Air France operates 39 flights per week, while Delta operates 18 per week to France. Uh, across the Atlantic, Virgin Atlantic is operating six additional flights per week compared to Delta. Mm. I mean, it's 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 a bit a bit of a. I don't know. I, 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 don't, I never like the word outsourcing. It doesn't matter what industry it's in. It's uh, and also as as Micah was saying, of course, these, these in a time of, of layoffs at Delta as well, it makes it all highly questionable. And of course, uh, um, I think it was announced. Was it yesterday? I think it was Micah, wasn't it? About United Airlines saying on Thursday that it needs to cut two thousand eight hundred and fifty pilot jobs between the first of October and the thirtieth of November uh, if the government doesn't extend an aid package to help airlines cover employee payroll for another six months while the while they weather the coronavirus pandemic so i mean it's you know it's obviously delta is it's a gray area isn't it you know outsourcing when laying off people i don't i'm not sure that's uh, that wouldn't be allowed here in the uk certainly (laughs) at the same time they talked about uh using virgin atlantic if i remember in the story did you not and delta owns 49 percent of virgin atlantic so is that outsourcing well, no, it's just one. One would argue, perhaps not, isn't it? Because it's you know, it's just using resources that they had that the, the group has at its disposal, I suppose. So, so maybe, but um, yeah. Actually, it's, it's worth pointing out. One of the good things that that Delta's doing is they are installing hand sanitizer stations on all their aircraft. Just a point of note. I think, to be that. fair, then they're not the only ones doing that. Actually, I think mm. are they? I mean, a lot of the airlines are, are doing that. Certainly, the airports have really geared the themselves up have, to yeah. uh, to sort of making things as, as secure as they can. But uh, you know, it, it 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 is what it is at the moment, I guess. Uh, so we move on and, to uh, you know. Wait a minute. Yeah, before we do, Brian has a very good point. Oh, okay. I don't know if we can pull that up in the oh, chat room. Give me a yeah, moment. But, uh, yeah, go on. But, it, but it's a it's a good point. You know, why go. should the government pay for people who are no longer required? It will cost the government over three hundred thousand three hundred thousand dollars per airline employee, and yeah. that's just it, it. It makes a lot of sense. I, yeah. I, I hate to see the uh, uh, you know airlines go bankrupt i hate Mm. to see people lose their jobs but you know again if the government's paying for it we talk about the government but who's the government that's us yeah that's true i mean again but i mean here in the uk obviously we've been very in in lots of ways we've been very lucky because here in the uk we have had this furlough scheme that i know many employee employers have taken advantage of including uh, obviously the coach company that i work for because in our case there is literally nobody i mean who wants to go on a bus to london at the moment i mean it's just, just nobody wants well if to you were it. driving i would go on oh, well thank you that's very, that's very oh. sweet of you we'd get terribly lost he's a, he's a very good driver mike a very good <laughs> yeah you fall asleep whenever we go i, I fall asleep every time <laughs> it's like every time we go anywhere it's i just chatting away to him i look over and think he's fall, he's fall asleep again what's going on <sighs> but uh, no it's, it's one of those isn't it uh, the the thing is of course now i mean these schemes have to come to an end don't they i mean however you you know it's a great way of propping things up initially but of course that is the thing isn't it now we're we're we're, you know a long way into i mean bearing in mind a lot of these schemes started back in march and we're now sort of about to hit september um you know now these schemes are coming to an end i think all industries are going to be laying off people left right and center aren't they i mean there's only going to be a handful of of you know industries that aren't damaged by by what's been going on with this this virus 
And I think you prop, you know, back in March, we didn't know how long it was going to last. So right. we prop things up until we could make some determinations and do some analysis. Yeah. If the analysis is saying that it's not going to be six months or it's not going to be a year, but it's going to be multiple years, then how long can it go on? How long can it uh, yeah. be afforded to go on? Indeed. This is it. And of course, I mean, these are big, scary numbers, aren't they, that we're talking about here? I mean, if, if we oh, carry sure. on as we are, the governments across the world will all be bankrupt, won't they? I mean, it's, uh, it's just, I, which, which is a harsh reality, I know. But uh, I just, you know, I just it's it's so worrying, isn't it? Especially when so many of us got so many close friends that will work in the industry. It's 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 worrying times indeed. So, Matt, the next story for you is uh, good news for a certain cricket team. <laughs> Indeed, yes, absolutely. Uh, so there are pictures with this which I'll try and pop up uh, towards the end here. A very lucky cricket team. Yeah, well, absolutely. This is the thing. Obviously, uh, I, I, I know it's a big no-no as far as you, you're concerned, isn't it? Because it's that word sport that makes you go into a deep coma, <laughs> isn't it? I know. But uh, And Michael will probably say cricket is a sport that nobody will ever truly understand. Uh, but it's executive travel. Have you ever watched cricket, by the way, Micah? No, he has sense. Uh, right, fair enough. Oh, okay. oh, um, He's nodded off. Right, fair enough. Okay, so the Australian cricket team <laughs> has all business class Perth to UK flight. Uh, so uh, this is the story. An Australian's cricket squad is now resting up at the mid-England city of Derby ahead of next month's round of 20, T20 and one-day international matches after a 19-hour journey involving two stopovers at Colombo and Dubai in a chartered all-business-class jet from French boutique airline La Compagnie. Now, we've we've spoken about this we before, have. haven't we? Absolutely. This this airline has got a bit of a rep for, for doing stuff like this. Uh, so in previous years, the teams would hop on a commercial flight, and if it wasn't for the dreaded word, uh, that probably would still been the case with Qantas Airbus A380s from Sydney to London via Singapore, or the Qantas Boeing 787 non-stop from Perth to London. But with all the international Qantas flights being grounded while all of the A380s and most of the Boeing 787s stand idle in California's Mojave Desert. Uh, Cricket Australia went casting around for an alternative. They found it in the grounded fleet of a La Compagnie um, La Compagnie we had this discussion last time and I can't remember how I was supposed to say it. La Compagnie Compagnie I want to say La Compagnie yeah or La Compagnie if you wish uh, which, the, the company <laughs> the, yeah. the company uh, which usually shuttles uh, a pair of all business uh, all business class A321 Neo jets uh, daily between France uh, Paris and Nice and New York but uh, in March 2020 suspended flights until mid-September due to travel restrictions between the two countries uh, outfitted for high-flying executives, the Airbus A321neo also proved a suitable ride for 21 of Australia's elite cricketers. La, Com- La Compagnie uh, flew the... Uh, yeah, I'm trying to do my best French here, I'm sorry, don't laugh. Uh, started to Cricket Australia. Just call them Just call them the posh airline. The posh airline, yes. Yeah. So the posh airline flew the jet, chartered <laughs> to Cricket Australia at an undisclosed price from Paris to Mumbai to Perth. Uh, where it collected the White Bull squad, most of whom 
had uh, in turn flown in from ports around the country, including a Qantas Boeing 737 from Sydney. Uh, With 76 business class seats from tip to tail, the A321neo offered plenty of room for players, coaches and support staff. The seats all convert into fully lie-flat beds, handy for the overnight legs of journeys, or when you're simply too tired or too bored to do anything else but nap, which you so wouldn't be doing on a jet like that, would you? Carlos let's be honest Uh, in addition to the 15 inch in in flight entertainment screens and noise cancelling headphones as standard the jet that is uh, the jet comes with fast in-flight wi-fi although it's not known if this was active for the charter flight i bet it was (laughs) Uh, however as the small single aisle a321 neo lacks the globe striding range of the airbus a380 or the boeing 787 dreamliner the journey from perth to derby was divided into three stints Uh, the first uh, the Flight left Perth in the evening of Sunday the 23rd for a 7 hour and 40 minute trek to Colombo. One hour later it was wheels up for the short 4 hour hop to Dubai. Uh, Then it was time for the final leg of the journey, a 7 hour 30 minute direct flight uh, to East Midlands Airport which is usually served by low cost airlines such as Ryanair and Jet2 for UK domestic and European short range destinations Uh, the team will reportedly spend several days in a hotel attached to derby's cricket ground before the three-hour bus ride to southampton's rose bowl where the first of three t20 matches will be played in from september the 4th to the 6th with three one-day internationals at manchester's old trafford from september the 11th to the 16th now this is very much a flight you would have loved to have got on wasn't it carlos let's be honest i'm gonna while while you just uh, talk talk amongst your yourselves for a minute i'm actually going to try and pop some pictures up uh, if i may so i mean i mean how much would you have loved to have been on this flight michael let's be honest right now i would love to be on any flight well there is <laughs> it doesn't that. matter get me in the sky <laughs> yeah absolutely it's um it's uh, as i say we've mentioned this company before haven't we we're, we're, yeah we had uh, some feedback sent in didn't we um, we did about, that's right um, yeah who, who sent yeah, that in? that was from chris who sent that feedback ah, yes that's right yes yeah. Beautiful aircraft, wasn't it? it mm. There was no, there's no two ways about it. It's. Uh, as I said, I'm just trying to find some of some of the pictures here. Uh, this is the trouble. I, I, this is the trouble when I did the show notes and forgot that I sometimes have to put pictures up. Uh, but uh, if I remember go, correctly, the La Compagnie, La Compagnie, I think yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> no, no, La Compagnie. Uh, they, 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 uh, Captain Cruz had mentioned they had an all seven five seven two hundred fleet. They were a a, a company that offered. Uh, High-end, uh, all uh, business class flights, if I remember correctly, from uh, mm. New York into uh, into uh, Paris. Uh, not, uh, I can't remember which airport, or Orly, I believe. And uh, they were a, a low-cost business class airline, if I remember correctly. That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's. Uh, I mean, what a way to travel, though. I mean, because it's a hell of a flight. However, you dress it up, and ironically, it probably didn't take that much longer than it would have done on a on a more direct route, really, would it? Because it's um, actually for know, any if anyone's wondering. Uh, wondering anything or wondering what uh, La Compagnie is, if you take yourselves over to uh, episode 321 and 322, Ah. um, we actually ran a two-part feedback uh, from Chris Marsh. Oh, that's it. Who flew on the airline. So, yeah, if you take yourselves to 321, 322, there is a segment on there. You've got John in your ears and keeping him all to yourself. Is that... (laughs) That's the sort of thing that I've done it, John. Yeah, I've done it. Yeah, very good. He'll be very pleased with that. Yes, he'll be very proud of you, I have no doubt. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, uh, the next story, Micah, is with you. 
Tycho. Yes, <laughs> and uh, it, it comes to us from the new Atlas. And the story says, stinks. Uh, yeah, it really does. It, it's really smelly, but unfortunately, I can clean my windows. Um, <laughs> Reaction Engines and Britain's Science and Technology Facility, Facilities Council, that's the STFC, have completed a concept study of the practicality of using natural gas as jet aviation fuel. I'm sorry, ammonia as jet aviation fuel by teaming reaction engines heat exchanger technology with STFC's advanced catalyst, they hope to produce a sustainable low emission propulsion system for tomorrow's aircraft. It goes on to say that modern jet engines use a variety of fuels based on kerosene, as if we didn't know that. They all have a very high energy density that propel aircraft well beyond the speed of sound, and not all aircraft, but can propel aircraft well beyond the speed of sound and carry passengers and cargoes across the globe. But unfortunately, such fuels are derived from fossil fuels and produce significant carbon dioxide emissions, which the airline industry and many governments have pledged to reduce radically by 2050. One way of achieving these cuts is to look at alternatives to conventional jet fuels to power airliners. The problem is that most of those alternatives have much lower energy densities than standard aviation fuels and like, for example, as we all know, present-day battery technology would require future aircraft to be very small, very short-range, and have little payload. But liquid hydrogen, which could be a viable alternative, uh, but so much it would need to be uh, – they need to carry so much that the planes would have to be completely and totally redesigned and there need to be new infrastructure built all over. Using ammonia as an aviation fuel, however, isn't new. Uh, it only has a third of the energy of – uh, density of diesel, which is kerosene. Uh, it's relatively easy to liquefy and store, and it's already been used by some aircraft that we know and love. For example, the X-15 rocket plane, one of the aircraft that Neil Armstrong used to fly. Um, the tricky bit is finding an economically viable way to use ammonia in aviation. But to solve the problem, reaction engines produced a new propulsion system based on the heat exchanger technology it developed with Sabre hypersonic, uh, for its Sabre hypersonic engine, and that was evaluated by STFC's Rutherford Appleton Laboratory. In the new system... Uh, ammonia is stored is chilled and pressurized liquid in the wings of the airplane, just as kerosene is today, but the heat harvested from the engine uh, by a heat exchanger would warm the ammonia as it's pumped out and fed into a chemical reactor where the catalyst breaks down some ammonia into hydrogen. The ammonia-hydrogen mixture is then fed into the jet engine where it burns like conventional fuel, although the emissions consist mainly of nitrogen and water vapor. And I won't go on, but that's, uh, that's basically the story, which mm. is interesting, Except the question comes down, as I alluded to at the beginning, is where do you get the ammonia from? Yeah. Well, there is that. And also, as I say, one of the things that uh, say, uh, John actually absolutely loved this story. Uh, but it, again, sort of like, as you say, boasting the the ammonia sort of as being <laughs> the green solution here is perhaps not as uh, clear cut as one one would like you know it's one of those uh, uh worth probably doing a bit of a google search if you are interested in this as i say because it's uh, i won't go into details because there's lots of numbers and stuff but if you are interested as i say basically ammonia is the nh3 uh so it's technically it is carbon free but only in its chemical makeup basically but as i say, go away and do a bit of research it's a question of where you get it from and it comes down to the first law of thermodynamics yeah. and that energy isn't created nor destroyed and it has to come from somewhere and ammonia and hydrogen right now is harvested from natural gas 
gas. What's natural gas? Well, well it's one of those terrible <laughs> things that we don't want to use. No, indeed. Suddenly we're in a vicious circle again, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The viciousness that is fossil fuels. But uh, Actually, there we go. It's it's worth, worth noting the X-15 used ammonia as part of its fuel. Oh, okay. Okay, mm. fair enough. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Say, and it had very clean windows. Yeah, yeah quite, yes. As I say, it's, a, it's an interesting story nonetheless, but uh, yeah, as you say, we need, we need a little bit more. It's worth doing a little bit more research. But, I mean, hey, any, anything that, even if it, you know, recycling, uh, you know, getting more out of the resources that are there has got to be a good step, I suppose, hasn't it? So we'll see. We'll see. On. So the next story is on thedrive.com. The Drive. And uh, I love this story. This, this aircraft is awesome. And there's a video to go with this, which I'm sure Matt will Is play. there? Oh, dear. But uh, this is uh, the potentially revolutionary Celera 500L aircraft officially breaks cover. Mm-hmm. So uh, Otto Aviation's uh, Celera 500L has officially come out of the shadows and the company has now outlined its vision for the potentially revolutionary high-efficiency aircraft, including possible unmanned variants and military versions configured for intelligence surveillance and reconnaissance. Uh, The war zone was first to report on this, the unusual bullet-shaped plane, after it was spotted at the Southern Californian Logistics Airport near Victorville in 2017 and has been following its secretive development very closely ever since. The announcement, which appears to be the first official statement from Otto Aviation, I wonder if it's like that inflatable... um, autopilot guy from the airplane <laughs> films anyway auto aviation uh the uh, on the celera 500 to date the has coincided with the launch of the new website promoting the aircraft the press release did not provide specific details about the aircraft's first flight or when it occurred but says it has flown 31 times in total so far. In June 2019, the plane, which carries the U.S. Civil Registration Code, November 818, Whiskey Mike, was observed conducting what appeared to be taxi tests on the ground at the Southern California Logistics Airport, indicating that it could take to the sky soon afterward. The website says uh, that it hit an aerodynamic efficiency-proven milestone in the fourth quarter of 2019. Innovation at its core in solving problems without conventional bias. He says, our goal was to create a private aircraft that would allow for direct flights between any city pair in the U.S. at speeds and costs comparable to a commercial air travel. Uh, William Otto Sr., the chairman and chief scientist of Otto Aviation, said in a statement. He says that in many cases, individuals and families will be able to charter the seller of 500L at prices that are comparable to commercial airfares, but with the added convenience and private of private aviation. Uh, he said that we believe that uh, when the price of private air travel is competitive with commercial air travel, an enormous market opportunity will result. He says that we believe the seller of 500L is the biggest thing to happen to both the aviation and travel industries in 50 years, he continued. Uh, beyond using our aircraft for passenger travel, it can also be used for cargo operations and military applications. And since the results from the prototype test flights have been so promised, 
acting, we're ready to bring the Celera 500L to the market. Otto Aviation says the Celera 500L had a maximum cruising speed of at least 450 miles per hour, a range of over 4,500 miles, and it also has impressive fuel economy, achieving 18 and 25 miles to the gallon, according to Otto Aviation. A traditional business jet with similar capabilities to the Celera 500, including its six-passenger capacity, typically burn a gallon of fuel per hour uh, for every two to three miles of flight, making Otto's design dramatically more economical and, as well, more environmentally efficient and friendly. The company says that the Celera 500L will have an unbelievably low per hour flight cost of just $328. Now, just to give you a quick comparison between uh, the Celera 500L and a comparable business jet of this similar size. So we're talking about the fuel economy uh, of the Celera between 18 and 25 miles uh, to the gallon, uh, between, which is a, opposed to the two, or two to three miles to the gallon of a normal business jet. Operating costs per hour, $328, as we said, for the uh, Celera, or $2,100 for the average size business jet. And obviously the range being 4,500 nautical miles for the Celera with a range of around about 2,100 miles for a comparable jet. So it's it looks amazing. It does, it does. look really amazing. I mean, I know this is a this is obviously the experimental uh, like model that's been thrown in, a prototype. But uh, I, I did notice on the uh, pictures and on the video as well, there's no windows for the uh, for the passengers to look out of, but obviously this is a test uh, test model. But um, it would be interesting to see um, how this progresses. Okay, now, does... Mikey, you've just done a little share screen thing there, so explain I to did. me this picture that you've just popped up here. It looks to me like an old version of the X-1 aircraft that just kind of grew up, and it grew a pusher propeller, mm. and it's gotten old, and it kind of has that same shape with it longer does, wings. And as soon as I looked at it, I thought of the X-1, which was the first aircraft to break the sound barrier back in the uh, in 1949. So I figured I would pull that up and point that out. What do you think? Does, doesn't it kind of remind There's you of that? There's a lot of similarities there, isn't it? I mean, really, the only sort of major sort of thing i can i can see that's different for for me potentially is is that it's a bit flatter and a bit sort of you know it's uh and white. It's a bit wider yeah it, it's, it's, it's like the x1 you know grew up grew up and got fat you know well yeah quite yeah absolutely there is that to it that's, that's not a bad yeah yes a bit worrying yes never mind There's a, on that cheery note yes okay so we'll move on to the next story uh quite a short story this one but this one was a lot a lot of fun great website this airlive.net as we know we're a big fan of Big fan of that. And uh, it's the uh, headline. It says, find out how Cargo Lux Airlines protect its Boeing 747-8s from coronavirus. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's uh, Cargo Lux Airlines International released a new livery on its Facebook account. One of the uh, airline 747-8 freighters has received a new livery. The airline posted its very own mask on its iconic nose door, uh, reflecting the airline's uh, 
commitment to the fight against the dreaded disease. Uh, so it's a very short story, but I just wanted to share it because this is the, I, I don't know, I, the, the, the geek in me just loves this picture. Here we go. So if you're watching on YouTube, um, obviously you'll be able to see it. If not, then you'll see the link in the show notes here. This, I just love this paint job. Coincidentally, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to track this uh, aircraft on your various tracking apps oh, on yes. your mobile phone, um, the registration of this particular Cargo Lux with this uh, livery is uh, Lima X-Ray Victor Charlie Foxtrot. So that's the one that's got this. I must face admit, mask on. I'm surprised that more people haven't done this off the back of what's been going on. Do you know what I mean? Sort of trying to. I don't know. Just one. Got what, what do you think of this? What do you think of this, Micah? Bit of bit of fun. Oh, it's a great time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it does look good on the dash eight. To be fair. Oh, but, it definitely uh, does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. As I said, I was surprised more people haven't done it really, just because of you know, it's you know, you, we've got to. I think we're going to be living with this for for a very long time, aren't we? So I suppose we've got to find ways of of enjoying it. <laughs> I just hope can. that they got that mask from uh, from Tab Fabric, you know, Pasadena Brian's wonderful <laughs> right. mask company. You know, where all the proceeds uh, go to uh, go. Come go on, plug the, away, uh, plug away. Go Micah. to the Pasadena Women's Shelter. You know, so if if you happen to be on Etsy and you look up Tab Fabric, you can get aviation related masks for yourself you know not that not that anybody would want to do that or that brian no. would necessarily want to hear about that but no, but i'm sure don't. that he could supply those orders you know and, and i'm, I'm sure, sure that we, he supplied that to cargo luck and i'm sure if we ask him very very nicely he'll be able to send me a link that i can drop in the show notes so that people can also do something like what you're describing <laughs> and not only that i bet there's even a discount for PTUK listeners Ooh. oh hang on steady <laughs> he'll be furious with you now you're busy signing him up for stuff that he didn't that he didn't agree to but uh, we'll take it any discount we'll take it uh right the last story then micah that i, I feel like we're you. i feel like we're picking on micah this week we're giving oh, all, giving giving micah all the uh, low-cost carrier stories from here <laughs> i was just gonna say that you know matt used to get all all the ryanair stories am yeah. i getting the easy jet stories yeah Is well that what's going on? Be, because ba aren't doing a lot at the moment so that, and they were going to originally be <laughs> nev stories so <laughs> there we go well a group of this is really I think it's it's terrible and mm. it's funny and I'm laughing at it as I'm reading it, but I'm not going to say the word, but a certain disease delayed an easy jet he delayed EasyJet passengers who faced an unforeseen quarantine. And it turns out that a group of EasyJet passengers returning from Gibraltar are having to self-isolate for two weeks after a flight delay meant they were put up in a hotel across the border in Spain. Whoops. The flight was due to leave on Monday, but was delayed overnight. EasyJet couldn't book enough rooms for all passengers in Gibraltar, so some had to spend the night in Spain. The UK's travel rules mean the travelers from Gibraltar don't have to quarantine, but arrivals from Spain do. <laughs> so one passenger who was on the flight to London, uh, London's Gatwick Airport, apparently Gatwick is still open, well, there we are. sent a yes. message to the airline on Twitter calling the situation ridiculous. Uh, Alan Orme said, my option is to move from a low-COVID Gibraltar to a high-COVID Spain. I can't afford to self-isolate. EasyJet, will you pay for my loss of earnings? Um, Crazy, isn't it? Anyway, the story goes on, but, but that's the basics. They ran out of mm. hotel rooms for a delayed flight in Gibraltar. Some people had to be put up at hotel rooms in Spain, which is, I guess, normally something that's done all the yeah, time. Absolutely, but yeah. based on this virus, which will go unnamed, mm. People who are coming back because they spent a night in Spain just across a border 
are not allowed oh, no, to absolutely. leave their homes now, for two weeks. I mean, part of me sort of thinking, I mean, were, were they aware? I mean, because, I mean, I would have been, if it was in, you know, if, if I was in those shoes, I'd be thinking, oh, flipping heck, um, I can't do that. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather sleep on the most uncomfortable chair I've ever slept on, like in the airport in my life, than then have to unexpectedly spend two weeks in quarantine. I mean, I'm I'm really surprised that, that people didn't query it at the time i you know unless perhaps people didn't really realize because it's like it's a lot, a lot of these things isn't it like the norfolk suffolk border here for example you go over that border before you know where you are you're in a different county um i i don't really know the makeup of gibraltar um perhaps it's a similar sort of thing you don't necessarily realize that you've moved from from you know essentially you know gibraltar territories into into Spanish territories. That's the only thing Nev's I can think the man of. to ask about that. Yeah, he, absolutely. Nev's, well, Nev's been there. We'll try and remember to ask him next week, hopefully. Actually, one, of, one of the things, Matt, which you probably heard as well, mm. and uh, Micah, I'm sure you probably heard, was that uh, when these quarantine restrictions came into place for a lot of different countries, the uh, people were obviously st- struggling to get back to the UK before these rules were put into force um, because some of them came in at midnight, some of them came in at 4 a.m., yeah. And um, some airlines, um, you probably heard, some airlines were not just doubling but quadrupling the cost of um, a flight to, to get back to the UK yeah. because they knew that people would pay the money to get back to the UK before the um, restrictions were put in place. Which is yeah, a bit the naughty. almighty pound, you know, it always, uh, always comes up, but, mm. you know, now they're begging for money from the government. Mm. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's a, that is a, that is a thing. Yes, I suppose. As Myla's actually saying in the chat room, I'd rather be in a hotel room than an airport in regards to catching COVID from someone, which is a very good point, actually. Uh, I hadn't really sort of thought about it like that. Um, but uh, good news about the um, good news from Brian, by the way, Carlos. You'll be delighted to know. Uh, yes, Carlos, for you, I'll set up that discount code. Give me five <laughs> minutes, and it will be done. There you are. So, uh, Brian, send us the link, and I'll make sure it's on the uh, on the thing. Now, Tony, actually going back to the story, very interesting point here, uh, very useful. Thanks for this, Tony. So, and there is actually a hard border between Gibraltar and Spain. You can't mm. inadvertently cross it. So, somebody has had made the decision essentially to do that, which is, mm. um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. I think you know, if if I'd have been if I was willing to go to Gibraltar in the first place, I'd have rather have taken my chances staying in the airport than then having to, to quarantine for two weeks. You know, I mean, it's. I, I guess I'm sort of in a situation where it's one of those countries on my. I could work from list. home at the moment, so it's not an issue, but mm. um, could be a big issue for some people, couldn't it? Absolutely. There we go. And Never Matt, mind. just a quick side note, and hopefully you can cut this out. But you're sounding a bit off mic or muffled all of a sudden. Oh, am I? You are, you are a little bit, yeah. Okay, it might might just be an issue at this end. Um, it seems okay on YouTube at the moment, so uh, yes, fingers but, crossed. But uh, that is where we bring the commercial news uh, segment of the show to a close this week. But uh, we've got an awesome little segment coming up now. And, uh, and for those of you who have been listening to the show for a few weeks now, will have listened to and loved, as we, a lot of people have, the Plain Truth segment with uh, Matt and Captain Al. And this week on the, the segment, uh, Captain Al and Matt are discussing tyre punctures. So uh, here we go. <laughs> Hello 
and welcome to Another Plain Truth, and this week we're going to be talking about tyre punctures. Joining you today, as always, is the legend that is Captain Al. Hi, Captain Al. A very good evening, Matt. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yes, enjoying the sunshine. Wow, you're lucky you've got some here. We, we seem to have rain back here where we are in, in, in good old uh, good old Norfolk slash Suffolk, but uh, never mind. What, what can we say about that? Uh, listen, I wanted to talk to you about uh, tyre punctures, actually, obviously, because all the, car, the um, cars, <laughs> all the aircraft and stuff, they, they've obviously got uh, like rubber tyres and stuff on their landing gear. Now, I've been driving a car uh, a couple of times where I've had a tyre blow out. Uh, now, what kind of impact does that have on an aircraft, obviously? Because, that, I mean, there's lots of pressures and forces forces uh, involved uh, in the rubber hitting the tarmac obviously at high speed and I mean for you you're often seeing like puffs of smoke and things aren't you as they as they do touch down on on the runway so I mean in the event of a tire puncture I mean I mean what does what impact does that have uh, when you're landing okay well tire punctures in themselves are relatively uncommon uh, the the thickness of the rubber on an aircraft tire is quite thick I I could go and find some technical documents to give you the actual dimensions, but the actual thickness is, is quite a lot. Um, and really that's because there's lots of debris that's around airports, so uh, little bits of metal um, and bits of suitcases, uh, stones, that sort of thing can all affect the integrity of the tyre. Punctures, I've only ever had one in about 25 years. and. Again, relatively speaking, as odd people often say, it was only flat at the bottom. Well, yes, that was the case. Uh, in, in our particular case, the puncture per se only became visible as the aircraft was loaded. So you, you'd say that the, the tyre still had some pressure in it, um, but obviously the, the, the weight of everybody getting on board the aircraft made it obvious. Now, there is an expression in aviation about kicking the tyres and lighting the fires. Now, if you kick an aircraft wheel, probably the only thing that you're going to reveal is the weakness of your own foot because <laughs> they're pretty solid. And you're not going to know whether you've actually got insufficient pressure in the tyre unless it's really particularly flat. You won't feel that by kicking it either. Uh, the tyres are actually filled with uh, nitrogen as opposed to air because obviously the tyres get very cold uh, when they're in flight. So nitrogen being a lot more stable uh, temperature-wise. So when we have a puncture, uh, the wheel gets changed, as you would do on any other vehicle. And typically, for most aircraft, that can be done when it's fully loaded, uh, very much akin to how you would change the tyre on any other vehicle. You come along with a jack, pump it up, undo the bolts, or whip it off, put a new wheel on, and off you go. And... Any decent set of engineers can do a wheel change in about 30 minutes. Not the same as Formula One Grand Prix, <laughs> uh, but uh, there are a few more bolts and uh, the wheels are a bit heavier, uh, especially when you get up to sort of uh, A380 sized aircraft. Uh, one of the aspects that is a consideration if they're doing a wheel change is how long it has been since the aircraft landed because the brakes on that wheel will still be very hot. Typically, the brakes get up to sort of three or 400 degrees Celsius. So you don't really want to be too near those uh, components until they've cooled down a bit. That's quite a hot working area. 
Um, so, yeah, uh, tyres, uh, very expensive, like most things in aviation, relatively short-lived. Uh, they last about a week in a sort of typical short-haul operator. Um, yes, they get a fair amount of use in so much as when an aeroplane touches down, you'll see those puffs of smoke because, of course, those wheels go from stationary to rotating uh, very quickly, typical sort of landing speed is around about 160 miles an hour. So they have to be designed to deal with the impact of landing and then the spin up of those wheels. And uh, we're quite environmentally conscious. So the majority of airlines will recycle the tyres. So the tyres will be remoulded and put back into whoa, whoa, service. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> remoulds? Now, look, as a car driver, the one thing that we're told is don't waste your time with remoulds. You, you know, you've got to stick with you know, new tyres every time. you. Is that, is that just a marketing ploy or, or are they genuinely different? I, I would say that they're genuinely different, primarily because uh, the remoulding is typically done by the tyre manufacturer. So uh, we're talking about people like uh, Goodyear, for example, a very big tyre manufacturer for aviation, and, and they will uh, perform the, the recycling process, if you like. Um, typically on your car, you don't change the tyres or the wheels on a weekly basis. Uh, no. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's uh, where it comes from. Uh, there's a lot to be looked for in tyres when you're doing your pre-flight inspection, as it would be for anything else. You're looking for bulges, uh, cuts, damage in other forms. Um, you will periodically see uh, the tyre being worn down to the canvas layer. Uh, what you shouldn't see is the tyre being worn down to uh, the steel that uh, makes up the, the carcass of the tyre. And uh, obviously, like any other component on an aeroplane, airlines would like to try to get the maximum amount of wear out of the tyre before it gets replaced. And um, very occasionally, you'll see an aircraft with brand new tyres on, unless, of course, it's come straight from the factory. Generally, new aircraft have new tyres on. Um, but frankly, they don't perform any different to, to the, the remoulds. There have been occasions in the past where aircraft tyres have shred entire layers, and obviously these have been investigated because that's quite a significant failure of the tyre, and that has happened on new and remoles. Uh, so quite a lot goes on for tyres. I, I wish I could give you a price for a tyre, but it will be in the tens of thousands of US oh, really? dollars for sure. Gosh. So, I mean, in, in the event of, uh, say, for example, obviously, you, you've done your pre-flight check, you've had a walk around, you've taken off, everything's all fine. Uh, if you're uh, in a scenario, essentially, where um, you're in the air, you're coming in to land, but presumably, uh, I mean, are there pressure warnings and stuff inside the, the, the cabin uh, in the cockpit to tell you, essentially, that, that, that you've got a puncture, perhaps, before you're coming into land? And, and, and what alterations would you make if, if, for example, your nose wheel has got a puncture? Okay, well, that's a really good uh, question. And the answer to it is it is a option. So if you want to pay a bit extra, you can have the tyre pressure monitoring system installed on the aircraft. And that would have been done at the time of 
ordering it from Airbus itself. So it's an option. Um, and yes, if it's installed, you can see the tire pressures and it will actually show you if a tire has deflated. With regards to making a landing with a deflated tire, uh, instantly the nose wheels aren't monitored. It's only the main wheels. Um, it wouldn't really have any great impact on the operation of the, the landing itself. And you might not even be aware of a, a nose wheel puncture because, of course, uh, large transport aircraft, there are actually two wheels for the nose wheel and there will be at least two wheels per side on the mains. So you'd be a little bit more aware of uh, a main wheel puncture, even if you didn't have the tire pressure monitoring system, uh, the airplane would pull a little bit. Having landed, uh, you can taxi the aircraft with one or two tires deflated. Uh, the only rules, therefore, is that you taxi slowly so that you apply less um, exertion on that part of the, the aircraft. Captain Al, thank you. If you want to take your knowledge to the next level, sign up for a subscription at the A320 Lounge. Our online video courses combine whiteboard-style lessons with full failure demonstrations shot in 4K in state-of-the-art simulators using a professional production team. Go into your next simulator session with confidence, having seen failures run in real time and with the background knowledge to answer any questions from your instructor. To get more information and to sign up, visit a320lounge.com. I tell you what, I, we have a, I, we have a lot of fun filming those uh, plane trucks. I know you do. Yeah, absolutely, you keep because dropping I, in every now and again, I, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, dro I dropped it for those of you listening. I, I dropped in. Um, I think, this week I dropped in on you guys doing uh, the, last week, wasn't it? Or we last filming, week? Yeah, yeah last week we, we had Dan Holly with us last week. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. The... So I I dropped in on on Matt and Al doing the recordings of the the plane truce. And uh, you, it, it you makes you joined us. Uh, you joined us in the middle of a load of, um, uh, shall we say, uh, outtakes. outtakes that I can't play out. Sadly, <laughs> uh, when we were doing that, because it's it's fair to say oh. I'm pretty rubbish at doing this pre-record. So. No, I, I love that segment, and 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 listening to you guys uh, together and listening to Al is wonderful. And I always learned so much. I mean, I always thought that the pilot had to pull over and go into the boot and pull out, you know, a spanner and a jack. Uh, and absolutely, change the yeah, tire, absolutely. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. It's got you know, get get the old uh, hand jack out, pump pump it up a bit, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's it, it's been a lot of fun doing those, as I say. And actually, uh, I mentioned Dan Holly there. We've got another couple of uh, segments to look forward to in, uh, to from him uh, joining us, uh, talking about um, weather data and things like that. And uh, also, we had a chat about storm chasing, which I'm quite excited about sharing with you as well. Mm. Slightly slightly off topic as far as aviation is concerned, but it was uh, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. It's uh, yeah, it's been good. Right, uh, Carlos. I suppose we better do that that grey thing, hadn't we? Yes, yes. He's not with us this week, as I said, but Armando has prepared us a little selection of military stories. So if everyone's ready... Oh, yeah. Let's, let's go. Let's go. go. 
So the first story on the military segment this week is on the warbirdsnews.com website. And sad news for us here in our region where me and Matt live, because this is not far from us. And a museum we all know and love here. Mm. So the headline, the Imperial War Museum at Duxford and the Fighter Collection announced relocation of the Flying Legends Air Show. So after a long and successful partnership of some 30 years, uh, the Imperial War Museum at Duxford and the Fighter Collection are announcing uh, this week that the Flying Legends Air Show will no longer be taking place at Duxford. Given the financial pressures which have resulted from the coronavirus pandemic over the past few months, the museum has been required to examine all future events and consult with key partners to ensure that, the, as a charity, the organisation is able to maximise income and remain financially stable. It was therefore mutually agreed uh, that the TFC uh, would seek an alternative location to host the Flying Legends, which will be confirmed at a later date. John Brown, uh, the Imperial War Museum Executive Director, Commerce and Operations, commented the fighter collection will continue to be a highly valued partner at the imperial war museum and we are delighted that its collection of amazing aircraft will remain on site and continue to be displayed throughout the year we are confident that the flying legends will continue with its success and would like to thank them for their entertaining audiences at the duxford over the years he said that we'll be making some exciting changes to our own air show program for next year and look forward to sharing more details in the coming months uh, so for more information on the uh, Imperial War Museum Duxford's air show season, including tickets to this year's Battle of Britain air show, just go over to their website. And there's also some exciting news events for program in the programme for 2021. Um, it's, it's sad news. It was it's, uh, an air show you that I've been to. This, didn't you? you actually found the story. You were quite shocked, actually, that, yeah. of, the, of the changes. I mean, I've been to this particular... I've only been to this particular air show twice in my time of going to air shows. But every time, it has always been a heavily um, attended show. Mm. There's always been packed crowds there. And obviously, the, the Flying Legends display is one of the, the biggest ones of the year for uh, for Duxford. Very much a highlight, it's, actually, I think. In it the is, calendar, yeah. Isn't it? yeah. And to have that amount of warbirds in the sky at the same time when they do the fly pass with the Spitz and the Hurricanes and uh, all the other aircraft, the P-51s, is, re- is one of the, the biggest, in my view, is one of the, the best um, shows. And it's mm. a shame that, uh, obviously, having that on our doorstep as such, because... Uh, um, Duxford is literally only about an hour away, is it, Matt? From us, yeah, about an hour, hour and a half. Hour, an hour and a half, yeah. yeah. It's it's close. To, it's not too far from us. Mm. It's all main roads, and it's a shame that uh, that's you know going to be moving, and we don't know where to. It could move to uh, to any any of the larger airfields within the UK, I suppose. It'd be interesting but... to see what the, what their plan is, isn't it? Really, mm. I mean, they're sort of talking about that they're going to sort of well, not replace it, but you know, what I mean, they've they've got plans of their own and stuff. And I guess uh, at the end of the day, in the current climate, a lot of these decisions are financially based, aren't they? At the end of the day, they've yeah. got to, um, you know, because we're going to be needing to do some kind of social distancing for certainly for the foreseeable future. Um, and uh, big shows like that are expensive to put on, and you need 
those huge crowds to make it financially viable, I guess. So also wherever you know, this goes, they're going to need a space. You they can't, are going to need uh, the space. Uh, yeah. know, they're not going to be able to hold this at um, you know at seething or uh, no. at uh, Beckles or one. No, of the, uh, no, you know, no. It's going to have it's going to have to be a substantial airfield here. Well, of course, one of the one of the most amazing things about our Shuttleworth visit wasn't it? I mean, is what a mm. lovely air show yeah. that was because you know it was literally the world's first ever at that time. I mean, I'm sure other people have done it since, but it was the world's first drive-in air show. It was really quite a quite a unique experience, wasn't it? Uh, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I, I, it was so nice to have a bit of space and you were able to sort of set up your pitch with you because we had a big picnic table and all sorts, didn't we? Just sort of setting all our gear up and scanners and goodness knows what else. So it's, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's sad actually. Uh, we'll we'll one have thing to keep a good eye on this. Yeah, absolutely. I think they'll they'll mm. certainly be more to that. So we'll move on to the next. So story. I love this story. I you heard do. about this earlier on in the week, and and for you, it's a tech story. Yes, and which I'm which terrified quite, about. Quite, I'll be honest. quite uh, appropriate, but uh, as well, I, I just think this is great. This is this is like the whole um, what is it, the Terminator kind of thing, where the, <laughs> where the you know artificial intelligence yeah. against the human beings. Yeah, I know. That's that's why I'm nervous about it. But anyway, in in inhomelandsecurity.com is the website and this is one of the stories that Armando sent us this week actually and the headline is DARPA's AI defeats Air Force pilot 5-0 in head-to-head competition that's a scary thought isn't it anyway Heron Systems the winner of a two-year defense advanced research projects agency uh, competition yesterday yielded an artificial intelligence system that managed to not only outgun a top current US Air Force fighter pilot he's going to be so furious isn't he that that guy uh, and weapons school graduate but to score a flawless victory against its human opponent winning all five dogfighting engagements uh, it's a giant leap according to lieutenant colonel justin glock mock who another weapons school graduate who also co-hosted the live stream the darpa program known as the alpha dogfight trials was des- was designed to demonstrate the feasibility of developing effective intelligent autonomous agents capable of defeating adverse adversary aircraft in a dogfight in other words if this were the movie top gun maverick and goose would just have been smoked by an unmanned drone in head-to-head combat five times in a row perhaps most impressive is the timeline under which these teams rapidly develop their systems. In August 2019, eight AI companies were selected for the competition. The first trial was held three months later at St Johns Hopkins University Applied Physics Laboratory, an exhibition match uh, allowing teams to test the simulation environment. Uh, The second trial, held in January, was the first to rank the company's teams in head-to-head competition. Companies went on from concept to reality in just over one year, demonstrating the ability to make tremendous gains with AI by rapidly redesigning, testing and revising their algorithms. But don't pop the champagne cork just yet. The Alpha Dogfight Trials were a series of heavily scripted simulated events Heron Systems, along with the seven other companies who made it to the finals, had perfect knowledge of the system and computer environment, a significant advantage over the human pilot and a departure from real-world flying. The uh, pilot was forced to use VR goggles and, and not and non-standard equipment. In essence, the human pilot was forced to fight on the computer's terms, not the other way around. Uh, Commander uh, Vincent uh, Jello 
Alio, I swear they make these names up sometimes, a former US <laughs> Navy fighter pilot Top Gun instructor and now the host of the Fighter Pilot podcast, cautions that we shouldn't read too much into this victory. Humans have been proven to excel in one more important area than facing off other AI. They know how to handle the type of uncertainty found in today's combat engagements. Uh, combat does uh, not occur in sterile static environments. It occurs in 3D in real time where the weather, your adversary and a whole host of other factors come into play. Uh, given the results of the Alpha Dogfight trials, it's not hard to predict that the US military will seek to push development of an unmanned aircraft capable of fully autonomous combat. Uh, the US Navy is already experimenting with Boeing's MQ-25 Stingray, an unmanned aircraft capable of launching and recovering aboard a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier in uh, to provide refueling service for manned aircraft plans are already underway to <laughs> to begin expanding that envelope to include uh, persistent surveillance and possibly combat capabilities much more to this story really it'll be in the show notes if you want to take a read but uh, so we don't need to panic just yet that um that the terminator is about to come become real then we haven't got to start <laughs> panicking and sort of you know thinking that skynet is real just yet <laughs> what do you what do you think, Micah, about this uh, story? I think that it was uh, a war game, and when you play war games and you know what the outcome is supposed to be, then you can do what you need to do. It was in a simulator. Mm, I think yeah. it's going to be very, very different if and when uh, the time comes when you're actually in uh, an air-to-air combat or air-to-air training. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, eventually artificial intelligence, which is what AI is, will, you know, get much, much better. But uh, uh, I think that it, we're going to see uh, a lot of, it's going to take quite some time for it to improve so much that it truly is autonomous. Mm. Um, and I'm sure we'll be using, we already use artificial, some artificial intelligence in our, uh, in our fighter programs, in our, in our, in our military, in military aviation, but, uh, but it's not totally self-sufficient just yet. Mm, indeed. There's, uh, interestingly enough, actually, uh, uh, if, if you haven't heard of it before, which I hadn't until now, uh, Tony, who is the the source of all knowledge when it comes to good po- podcasting, Tony Esther saying actually the Fighter Pilot podcast is awesome if you've never listened to it before. So there you are, a, a recommendation indeed from a man who loves his military. Uh, have you ever listened to it, Micah? Uh, I've heard a couple of them, not in quite some time, because, you know, after PTUK and APG and Airplane Geeks, <laughs> I just don't have any more time left in the week. But but I have listened to it, and it is a great podcast. Absolutely, yes. Okay, so we've got one more story left, Micah, and that is with you. Yes, and uh, it comes from the... It's bad uh, news uh, for Jonathan Warner. Oh, is it, it really is. It it's is. Oh, yes, 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 yes. It comes from Gloucestershire Live and B-52... <laughs> I hope I pronounced that right. That's correct. Uh, yes, no, bang on. Well done. B-52 plane spotters heading to RAF Fairford are warned by police. And uh, it goes on to say that it's not unusual to spot some kind of aircraft in the skies above Gloucestershire, especially with the likes of RAF Fairford nearby. But now Gloucestershire Constabulary have issued warnings to plane spotters. An image of a notice from Gloucestershire police was shared on social media and, um, in it, the safe and sociable use of roads, that's a quote, safe and sociable use of roads is encouraged along with a plea for observers to park, quote, with a consideration of other road users, businesses, and the community. 
Apparently, a number of military aircraft have been spotted in the skies above Gloucestershire in recent months, including a Chinook helicopter, one of my favorites. That's not in the story, by the way, but it does happen to be one of my favorites. <laughs> and a U.S. Air Force B-52 bomber. Um, and uh, the notice from the Gloucestershire Constabulary reads, we appreciate and understand the desires to come to this area to observe the increased air tra aircraft uh, activity. We welcome you all and hope you are able to enjoy your visit. We do value your presence as you are a uh, as you are vigilant and do not and report suspicious activity to us. But it went on to say we recognize the impact of such, such activity has in the local area and wish to encourage a safe and sociable use of roads. We are working with other partner agencies to achieve that aim. To this end, we request that any vehicles parked are done so with the consideration of other road users, businesses, and the community. We especially implore you not to park in front of any crash gate. <laughs> As you Sorry. did. <laughs> yeah, because everybody would, anyway. Uh, or on, on any verge, we reserve the right to remove any such vehicle at the owner's expense for the offense of obstruction and report any driver for driving otherwise uh, than on a road. Uh, parking on pavement can be similarly dealt with. Parking on double yellow lines will be dealt with by enforcement officers from Gloucestershire County Council who are conducting patrols in the area. Thank you for your cooperation in this matter. <laughs> so basically, it goes, it basically, all it says is think about where you're parking and yeah. be careful what you're Absolutely. doing and mind others. Now, I'll be honest with you. The, the main reason why I chose that story is because actually Jonathan Warner was there. And the main I, I'll, be, I'll hold my hands up. The main reason for wanting to cover this story is because during this week, and Michael, you'll want to watch your screen uh, for this one. Uh, I was sent a video by Jonathan Warner that he took with his camera. And uh, I don't know if you've seen this yet, Carlos, actually. And, and the whole reason for that story is because of this beautiful video if you are listening to the audio version of the show then make sure you take yourself over to youtube to have a look at this this is stunning look at this how cool is that how cool is that Oh, I just love the sound of those eight engines. That's yeah. a beautiful sight. Absolutely. I love that B-52. Yeah, absolutely. What a lovely video that was. Thank you, Jonathan, for sending that to me. Actually, as I say, uh, I hold my hands up. That's the only reason, really, I wanted to cover that story this week is because it gave but me... But, Jonathan, this is important. Don't get arrested getting those Quite. videos to us. Be careful. Quite. Absolutely. Yeah, don't get into trouble. We're not. We're really not worth it. <laughs> we're really not worth it. There we go. And that's it. That's the end of the military for this week. Uh, we have uh, another thing that we'd like to go into. Many of you will remember, no doubt, uh, that uh, we ran a competition uh, involving the uh, the plane reclaimers, and they very kindly gave us a voucher which was sent to uh, Andrew van der Sarg. Uh, episode 324 uh, was when Andrew was on. Make yourself, uh, take yourself over to YouTube uh, or listen to episode 324 if you haven't done so already. It was a fascinating fascinating chat that we had and as many of you remember we asked loads of people to ask us uh, we asked people to send us basically uh, stories about aviation in their life and we had some fantastic entries in our competition and so we're going to cover them as best we can throughout this and this week Carlos you're going to read this for us aren't you it's actually one of the lovely emails that we received and it came from James Dean so James Dean thanks for sending us in so James Dean sends us this story so he says Hello, Plain Talking UK community. The year was 1992. 
I was four years old, staring out of the terminal window at London Heathrow. On the other side of that window sat the Queen of the Sky, a massive Boeing 747. It was painted in that beautiful early 90s United Airlines livery, the one with the rainbow tulip. I was in awe. The sight of that mighty machine was enough for me to temporarily forget the sadness I was feeling that day. This was the day I was moving to the United States, leaving my nan, uncles, aunts and cousins behind. I was very close to two of my cousins that were similar in age, so it was very hard to say goodbye to them, not knowing when I would see them again. My stepfather was a US service member, getting stationed back stateside, so my mother and I were along for the ride. Prior to that day, as best my memory can serve, I was not happy about leaving and remember crying my eyes out during our going away party, even telling my parents I wanted to stay with my nan. I did understand why this was happening to me and why did we have to leave, but staring out of that window, I immediately felt a sense of excitement and adventure. It was as if I was looking at that aeroplane and it hypnotised me. And although I'm sure I was still sad, that wonderful aeroplane gave me an immediate sense of calmness. Once on board, I remembered looking at the rows of seats that seemed to go as far as my eyes could see. I couldn't believe the size of this big hunk of metal that was about to lift us in the air and take us halfway across the world. With my head pressed against the window the entire time, we taxied out and blasted off. Although I was a bit scared of the turbulence on takeoff, the sight out the window was enough to keep me from growing too worried. We had to fly two flight segments to get to Spokane, Washington. The second flight I remember was at night, and it was on a United Airlines 727 from San Francisco. Again, my little forehead pressed up against the window during the departure. Seeing all those lights on the ground absolutely left me in awe. My parents were tired but kept answering my hundreds of questions about flying. I think they were just happy that I wasn't sad and telling them I wanted to go with them without them anymore. I don't think they realised it, but that was first trip for me and it lit a fire inside me. That was the day I officially caught the aviation bug. After that, every time we went flying, I would get excited the night before, just as I would the night before Christmas. We went back home three times during my childhood, alongside a few other vacations within the United States. I used to ask the flight attendants if I could meet the pilots, and most of the time I was able to. This bug got so strong and grew with such a passion for my aviation that most of my toys and books were aviation-related. Prior to 9-11, I used to beg my mum to take me to the airport hours earlier when we would pick up my dad from the business trips. Those were the days when we were allowed to go right up to the gate without boarding passes here in the US, so I remember many hours just watching player planes out the terminal window. That same state of hypnosis would come over me as that very first day that I saw the time of the Boeing 747. Every now and then, I do wonder what if I never went on that scary first trip that took me half a world away from my family? What if my mum never met my stepfather? And would I be sitting here today strapped into the first officer's seat of a Boeing 767? 
flying all over the US and the world. The things that make you wonder. Wow. What a fantastic story that is. That's I, that, just beautiful. That was the surprise at the end there for me, was, as I say, there he is strapped into the first officer's seat of a Boeing 767 mm-hmm. flying all over the US. And you say, and you wonder if if it hadn't have been for that trip, that at the time was probably very heartbreaking uh, to be sort of, you know, flying over to the, you know, leave, leaving leaving the family behind, as it were. I mean, as you say, it does make you wonder, would it, would it, would he be doing what he's doing now if that trip hadn't taken place? It's oh, very, James very Dean, that was a fantastic story. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. Micah, I'm going to ask you this question now. What was your first ever aviation experience? What, what got you hooked into the world well, of aviation? There were a number of things, and I was hooked well before this time. But what that story reminds me of is that this week, in fact, Wednesday of this week, was the 51st anniversary of my first flight ever. Oh, okay. Uh, I uh, flew uh, my, my grandfather who at the time was 73 years old. He was a member of a group called the Survivors of the USS Memphis, which today actually is the 104th anniversary of it being destroyed by a tidal wave off the coast of Santo Domingo. And he was, he crewed on that ship. uh, And I met a number of the people. He would go to reunions from the people from that ship. And the reunion was in New Orleans. And I was 13 years old. And he said he was going to take me along. We had gone the year before in Memphis, but uh, and we took the bus. But this year, that year, he said he didn't want to take the bus anymore. He was going to fly. And so it was the first time I ever flew, and I was so excited. We went on a Delta 707 from JFK into Atlanta and then picked up a Pan Am 707 from Atlanta into New Orleans. And it was the most fabulous experience for me. And it was about eight o'clock in the morning. And uh, my, my grandfather and I were in the, the first row of, of coach, but he heard that that was the best. There was a bulkhead in front of us. And uh, it was the first time my grandfather ever flew as well. And he was 73. He was born at the, in 1896 or 1897. And uh, I went to clear my nose, you know, I would clear my ears. I went to close my nose, t- tap up my nose, close my mouth and blow to clear my ears. He didn't know what I was doing, and he got so panicked, he ripped open the oxygen containers and said, you need the oxygen. <laughs> he, he, he didn't know what was going on. It was the first time he flew, and I didn't realize it. He was, he was nervous, and, uh, and I said, no, I was fine, and he slammed it shut, and nobody noticed. And by this time, it was 9.30 in the morning, and uh, the flight attendant came by, and he ordered a double Jack Daniels. As you do. I mean, but he never, he never, he, he, he enjoyed his drink on occasion, but never at that time in the morning. And, and it wasn't until about maybe 40 years after that, that I realized that it was the first time I was ever with him when he was really scared. Oh, wow. And it was just, uh, it was an amazing experience. And to having shared my, my first flight with his first flight was uh, something I'll never forget. We were, we were very, very close. What a lovely story! And it is, I mean, I, I guess obviously because of the age of of grandfather, it was it was not, um, a, you know, sort of flying wasn't a regular occurrence, perhaps like like it is now. As, as I suppose uh, you growing up, perhaps it was you know much younger and much more exciting for you as where you know when you f- fear is is something on, only experienced by the old usually, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was new to him. He was born before airplanes, uh, when you think mm-hmm. about it. 
And uh, there he was, you know, a, a man that was born before the age of aircraft and uh, had served in time in the Navy for years and years and years and had even been aboard a submarine. But the first time he was he was up in the air and he wasn't going to show me that he was nervous about it. But uh, but anyway, it, it, it certainly happened. And it was uh, like I said, it was great to share that with him. And I I, I, I lost him about a year and a half after that. And mm. uh, but I still uh, still think of him every day. And in fact, uh, where uh, he had he and I had the same initials, not the same name, but the same initials. And uh, I was I was given his ring and I've worn that for 50 years now. Wow. How cool is that? How cool is that? Well, I, I've got to ask. I've got to ask the same question to Carlos now. So, what? Because it was a family holiday, wasn't it? Is what what got you hooked on flying? Yeah, it's going back. I mean, I think I've. Um, I think I've done the story about this on the airplane geeks when I was a guest on there many moons ago. But for me, it was. It was I've never heard of them. Who are mm, they? Yeah. What, 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 what do they do? Who are those guys? <laughs> yeah, Who are those guys? Yeah. No, no. For for me, Matt, it was. I mean, I was lucky. Um, very lucky as a child having um, a sort of holidays abroad to various countries and stuff. So flying for me started at, a, whew, I was five, I think, when I had my first flight on the commercial airliner. And uh, one of the first flights I had, and that I can still remember, was on, on the uh, Tupolev T134A, oh. which, um, which at the time was a converted um, Cold War um, reconnaissance bomber aircraft the russian built one if you look them up the original ones had glass um windows in the nose in the nose cone if you remember oh, the right. nose cone and they, yeah they were very old aircraft and um yeah that was one of the first flights that I, that I took as a child and i mean i've i've been lucky enough to fly on pretty much most of the boeing products 727 707 uh i even i even flew many years ago when i was probably around about 7 or 8 years old i flew on the dc10 with freddie laker laker airways oh wow on the sky train um and i have i've actually still i've got a photo somewhere of me um being held up on the seats by my oh, parents wow. and the you know going back to those times then this was this was obviously the late 80s early 90s kind of well late late 80s this would have been um the economy seats then especially in the dc10 because the dc10 was 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 one of the kind of the first of the wide-bodied age of aircraft you know these seats in economy then were like your armchair at home matt they were huge you know this this is going back to a time where the foam in the seats was kind of you know a, a really good foam seat. It was it was comfortable, and um, I'll never forget the interior decoration. The walls on the aircraft were very brightly brightly coloured as well. But um, no, that was probably going back to you know back to all my first um, memories of uh, flying as a young age. And I can still remember one of the first times that I flew to Malta um, was a time when Luca Airport, the the airport in Malta. They'd never had, they didn't have a, an arrivals lounge or arrivals hall or a baggage reclaim area. They had a shed with a <laughs> large, large table inside the shed, and your suitcases would be loaded onto a tractor and a flatbed trailer, uh, which would then be brought into the shed where you would all wait, and they would put all your cases on the table, and you'd pick your cases up and go through the airport not entirely dissimilar to how norwich is now then 
<laughs> but no, I, I, that's I, really I, unfair. I take that. Back. I know. I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, I, Norwich. Yeah, it, that's it's, really unfair. It's it's brilliant. For, you know, air travel. I just hope, and I really, really hope and pray that after all that's going on, mm. that uh, we have some kind of, um, you know. Uh, air travel. You know, I, I hope that other people who haven't had the chance maybe yet to fly commercially, because yeah. you know, there are people in around the world who haven't, you know, who are not lucky enough to have had a chance to fly on a commercial airliner. Especially youngsters now who are growing up, the children and stuff. You know, now I just hope they get the chances that we've all had as uh, children to fly. Indeed. No, that's true. Well, guys, thank you for that. That's really interesting. We're going to have to start wrapping up now. Uh, I'll do the social media links for a change, Ooh, shall I? Just, you know, lovely. Just, you know, just for a refreshing change. Uh, before if, we do that, Matt. Oh, dear. Yes. Before we do that, if you, if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, I just told you about when I flew for the first time in my memories, and, and Carlos uh, told us about his first experience. Now, we know that you've flown more than uh, you've never particularly loved it, but you've flown quite a bit. What was your first experience with it? Ah, so hmm, I'm trying to think. So what should have been my very first trip uh, ended up being a coach trip in the end because actually my, my nan was very poorly and she had uh, like a brain hemorrhage just before. Uh, so we were originally going to fly out to, uh, I think it's Cap Dag in the south of France, uh, which is where we were staying. So we were originally going to fly out to there, which would have been my first ever flight, um, I guess. As a, But, I mean, we didn't, didn't really sort of do so. I would have been sort of 11, 12, I think, probably when that should have taken place. Um, and then I think the following year, as I say, because we ended up doing that by coach, and then the following year is the, is the one that I'm talking about where we flew from Gatwick uh, into... Um, into Athens, um, which is where we stayed. So it's uh, it was uh, so uh, I'm trying to think. Was it, or was it Zakynthos? No, so, no, my apologies. So we stayed in Zakynthos for a week, uh, and that I pre- that was with Air 2000, which I've now since discovered was a blooming <laughs> 757. For goodness sake. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, but because I, I mean, so I I, I suppose because I, I never really had the passion like like you guys did, so I didn't have the interest perhaps in it like like that but i mean i do remember it was the first time that we all had our own because tvs weren't a thing were they i mean back then like not mm. sort of individually but even back then this air 2000 had like an individual screen in each um head like in each um seat and you had the the weird two-prong adapter to plug your headphones in <laughs> and, and all that kind of thing so i mean it was the first time that you were able to sort of sit there and pick your own tv i mean they were just videos on a loop weren't they at the end of the day but you were able to sort of pick uh, what tv program or, or show or, or film or whatever it was that you want to watch i think it was about five or six choices um but to, yeah and then we see yeah, so we flew from there to zakynthos for a week and then flew from zakynthos into athens um and that was a very i think that i think that might have actually been a i think it was a ferry trip both ways if you see what i mean so um uh where, where is the airport in in is it is it in athens is it in greece i think so yes yeah and as i say then there was it was a little boat ride that that took us to to one because zakynthos is one of the islands uh and then sort of came back it was as i say it was uh my memories are not so much of the flight ironically and more the fact that it was the first time i'd sort of yeah sort of it was a boat rides and, and all that kind of thing it was uh yeah, not really. Yeah, not really. Uh, sort of more about the flight for me, as I say. It was because I just I just don't have the the love of it like you guys do. I still wonder each week why I'm still involved in a podcast that talks about aviation when clearly I know nothing about it. But uh, there <laughs> you're we are. Learning, Matt. You're learning. <laughs> learning. You're learning. That's that's uh, 
that's something about it. Uh, I'm being told by our producer, apparently, uh, someone in the chat room has got some Stephen H in the chat room. Oh, there we go. Uh, Stephen H is saying that Air 2000, Bucks Fizz served with breakfast, if I remember correctly. Air mm. 2000, tomorrow, today. There you are. Look at that. That's, uh, uh, they were a great airline. They were a great airline. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's, actually, uh, what happened to them? Do you know? Um, I think they, if I remember off the top of my head, I think Air 2000, I think they either merged, they were brought out by um, another airline, if I remember rightly. I think they, uh, yeah, they were renamed, sorry, First Choice. Um, they renamed First Choice. Oh, did they? Mm. Okay. Actually, we've got a few uh, people saying in the chat room here also, we've got uh, Richard Adams. He's saying, my first flight was in the back of a Hercules, and then wow. not until I was 19. That's quite the memory, isn't it? My goodness. My goodness. Actually, actually good. Air 2000, Matt, ceased operations in 2004. Really? Oh, it became TUI, yeah. apparently, Stephen H. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Merge with are. first choice, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, yeah. There we are. Anyway, look. Actually, Matt, to... before we move on, oh, I'm, I'm gonna... no, I'm, no, this is, this is, this is pretty, pretty awesome. Okay. Um, we know we were talking or listening, had the, we had the James Dean story and about mm. him obviously sitting in that um, all-important seat, he was saying at the end yeah. of the story. It's worth noting, actually, that um, for those of you who haven't looked yet over on the Plane Reclaimers website, um, (laughs) Andrew over there, who we had on the show as a guest, um, he's he's now got on there for uh, for you to, uh, to purchase, if you fancy it. For those of you who have really got the passion for aviation, you can buy yourself a, a pilot seat um, from a 747-400. And uh, he's got a pilot seat and a first officer seat on there. It's the, the original uh, kind of uh, wool. It's kind of like the um, sheep's wool kind of um, covering <laughs> on here um, that you can uh, purchase. And there's a whole load of, of other, other bits and pieces on there from 747s, which he's added this week. Honestly, if you haven't looked at that website yet, I can't stress enough how blooming addictive it is because <laughs> you just want to buy things. I remember, I, th- I think um, I think we were talking uh, to, to Matt, weren't we, from the A320 podcast, and I think he yeah. was saying that he's, uh, he's probably going to get in trouble with his wife very soon because he's been anywhere. Anyway, uh, lovely though that is, it's time to start wrapping up. If you yes. haven't realised already, then if it's a f- basically, search for us. Uh, search for us by using the tag Plain Talking UK on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. The what WhatsApp number where you can send messages to Carlos at stupid o'clock in the morning uh, that can also be featured here uh, on the show. That is plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. That's plus four four seven five seven double two four nine one double six. Email podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. The website, the new website, www.plaintalkinguk.com. Why not subscribe to our YouTube channel? You get notifications when we go live and you can help shape the conversation of the show by joining us in the chat room go to youtube.com and search for plain talking uk uh, on our website don't forget also there is the amazon link if you use that link to do your purchases uh, and basically we're given a small referral fee uh, from amazon for that which means you can contribute to the show by just doing your ordinary shopping but if you do have a couple of pounds laying down the sofa interestingly enough patreon now offer sterling as one of their currencies if you are a uk patreon might be worth switching for that um, 
some because basically we get a little bit more because we haven't got the exchange rate to worry about which is let's be honest is not great at the moment but uh, patreon if you would like to be a patreon to the show then that would be marvelous uh, we've got some great supporters uh, already which we thank you from the bottom of our hearts because we know how tough things are for everyone at the moment and we are eternally grateful uh, for though for everyone uh, both from patreon and of course paypal as well several people uh, give us donations via paypal as well uh, many people will be aware that uh, micah is involved of a podcast on a regular basis and he's now going to tell you where you can find that marvelous show well on occasion you might hear me on the airplane geeks and you can find the airplane geeks at airplanegeeks.com but if you want to find me directly the uh, the best way to get in touch with me is probably on twitter and uh, my handle there is at maine fly maine like the state of maine which is m-a-i-n-e fly like let's go flying <laughs> but maine at maine fly indeed that's it carlos um, i'll leave you to do the wrapping up Yep, I want to just say a big thanks to uh, Micah for uh, for coming on the show tonight. Thank you, Micah, for joining Thank me and so Matt. Much for having Very me. much appreciate it. Great to visit with you guys. I always love to do that. Lo- always good to see you, Micah. You, you are you are the family member. You are, I tell you, you are the family. <laughs> Part of the family. And uh, we're going to say a big thanks as well to every single person who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening as well. All the usual family members in there, plus some extras. Good to see some new people in the chat room. And don't forget as well, a big thanks to everyone who downloads the show as an audio podcast each week. And if you do, and you download through iTunes, and you've got a few seconds handy. It'd be great if you could leave us a little review on iTunes and give us a little star rating. That'd be awesome because we'd like that. Ideally five, obviously. <laughs> Ideally five. Yes, that'd be nice. But uh, yeah, big thanks to that and everyone who uh, who watches the show and listens to the show. So that is where we are going to bring episode three hundred and thirty-three. All the threes 33. to a close. Oh, sorry, bingo. Sorry. <laughs> House to a close. <laughs> we'll be back next. Friday again at 7pm so make sure you subscribe and hit that bell icon so you get notifications. So from me Carlos here in the my home PTUK studios and from Matt in the master PTUK studios and from our wonderful guest Micah over in his main studio take care, (laughs) have a great weekend everyone. Take care everyone, say bye bye. Bye, everyone.